As always, this show is brought to you by Mass Monopoly. We're an adventure sports agency focused on fueling the brands that fuel us. Everyone here is an adventure junkie and loves some or all the sports we support. We help build adventure brands through authentic, value-based marketing, growing the business without selling your soul. No bullshit, just results. Go to MassMonopoly.com for a free consultation. We're also brought to you by 508 Adventure Sports. 508's a family-run business who want to keep adventure sports affordable for families. They sell handcrafted hard goods manufactured right in their New England shop and have a new line of handmade skateboards on sale now. They also source affordable quality accessories for the sports they love, like mountain biking gloves, skateboarding pads, helmets, and all kinds of stuff to keep you and your family out on adventures without breaking the bank. Check them out at 508.com. That's F-I-V-E, the letter O, the number 8.com. My guest today is Chad Perrin. He's been working in adventure sports for a long time. Currently, he heads up marketing at the Spacecraft Collective as well as Slash Snowboards. Chad's a mountain biker and a snowboarder, and I think you can tell by listening that he's passionate about both. I've really enjoyed talking with him every chance that I've had, and I'm glad I get to share this conversation. Uh, unfortunately, technology bit us in the ass today, and our connection dropped a few times over the hour, but we did our best to keep things trucking. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chad Perrin. <laughs> All right, and it's that easy. We're live. I um, I think it's probably early for you, but I wouldn't judge. But I did bring a beer for myself to the podcast, uh, special, <laughs> local to you, I believe, a Space Dust IPA, right? Uh by uh, who's that by? By Elysian. Oh yeah, Elysian's down in uh, Seattle. Yeah, so well, closer to you than me. That's what I was trying to get right. as local <laughs> as I could. Right. So um. I don't know what you want to talk about today. Do you want to talk about spacecraft? Do you want to talk about Slash? Do you want to just talk about mountain biking? I thought it would be cool for us to learn uh, or just hear from you what spacecraft is up to because it seems like it's um, spreading its tentacles and getting into some different stuff and doing a lot of interesting things. I'd love to just learn more about what you're doing over there. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of, uh, I guess there's a lot going on as a brand as of last week, as of Last Friday, we had a launch event with uh, one of our bigger retailers, Evo, in launching our new line of spacecraft apparel. Um, Evo's always been a, a huge partner of spacecraft, even from the, uh, spacecraft's beginnings. The, the brand and that retailer kind of grew together um, because they kind of had a similar start in time together. Um, yeah. So... Both of us have been able to watch each other grow over the 17 years of business. Um, and uh, they were actually a critical, uh, I guess, uh, cog in us moving forward uh, with Spacecraft uh, Mountain Bike because they sell mountain bike as well. It's a, you know, mountain bike's a pretty big industry out here where, you know, I think now mountain biking is really accessible. So it's, it's heyday right now. and we definitely didn't jump on because we saw it in its heyday. We jumped on mountain bike because, uh, you know, we looked at our brand and as many people know, we have the snowcat logo and, you know, snowcat kind of, I guess, states that you're a mountain brand, uh, maybe more on the snow side because it is a snow cat, but, you know, I, I guess the whole idea started, um, to go down this path a few years ago when I was just traveling from one mountain bike spot to another, whether that be a resort or trail access out here in the Northwest. And 
just noticing the snowcat sticker on cars in the parking lot and people, you know, obviously crossing over from um, winter um, to, you know, spring and summer were yeah, sure. going from snow to, to dirt. And so, you know, we just started thinking, you know, we're like, well, how do we tap into that? You know, how do, how do we're, you know, like everybody in our office probably spends more time in the saddle than they do on the chairlift or the skin track. Um, not to discount that we like biking better than any of those. It's just, you know, really we have four to five months here to, to enjoy Mount Baker and the snow here in the Northwest, but you can literally ride trails year round. Um, so, you know, the original intent was, well, you know, we'll sell some headwear and t-shirts and stuff like that. And then, you know, we started thinking about it. You know, like, I guess at the end of the day, we were like, we we want to do something more than just T-shirts and hats, because that's what we've been doing as a brand for the most part is over the 17 years is really creating graphic tees and hats and beanies and, and things like that and belts. And we knew yeah, I, we I, wanted. I had to... a question on that. I was curious. Yeah. I, um, I, I actually have some of your stuff, but that, that was not the question. The question is, you guys, um, I know you started out with hats and beanies and you do t-shirts mm -hmm. and some of the new mountain bike stuff looks awesome and i want to talk about that um i also want to talk about the fender that i couldn't order today because uh, you already <laughs> sold out so i'm too I'm, I'm late to the party but um what i wanted to talk about was you guys seem to be um pretty well in you know i'm using air quotes but you're you're kind of an insider brand with snowboarding and mountain biking and you don't at least up until this year you don't make the stuff that they do and there's a lot of people that try to sell apparel or make things and want to be a part of the industry, but they're not. Do you know, do you have a feeling on why you guys seem to be insiders or accepted or why Spacecraft has the reputation that it does where I don't think you guys have to work to be real, right? Like the stuff just kind of is, it has an authentic feel to it. Um, yes and no. Um, it's a lot of work. Uh, we're still a small company. I think the reason why we're in is we've been in it for 17 years. Um, and in that 17 year span, you look at, you know, kind of the cultural shifts and changes of how people consume information. You know, it used to be, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, like for snow gear, you know, you'd sell a lot of gear, you know, right after the video premieres used to happen. And now... Yeah video premieres really don't happen the way they used to because you're seeing because people are producing content um, brands and athletes and influencers are producing content and releasing it in the same day or within a week so it's changed the dynamic of how um, easy it is to get out there um, and what works and what doesn't in terms of what are you putting out there i, I think the reason why we have we're being widely accepted and we're, we're back on track is we're really a human based company where we, we want to show a human side. We, we always talk about how imperfect we are. Um, and so we're, we're not worried about perfection. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you look on like, let's just use Instagram as a, as a, a handle is we're not going to be the brand that has all the pretty people. Yeah, <laughs> You know, like we're not going to utilize that because we don't feel that's very authentic. We feel there's a lot of that out there. Um, you know, we're, you know, we, it's funny because we talked about kind of like when you start looking at 
you know, like some of the major influencers out there, whether it be a mountain bike or hiking or, you know, whatever, all these new kind of spots that are, that are yep. there or these kind of like genres almost in social media. We, we said we don't want to be the, you know, the brand that has the really produced shots or the produced people, you know, yeah. it looks like are, people uh, you might actually see on the trail. Yeah, well, no, it it is that you know, like we yeah. want to make sure that our cast of characters is 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 as authentic as we are on the inside, um, because there's nobody here. Everybody here can practice what they preach. You know, we we know where the rubber hits the road, and yeah. we believe that that I guess you could call it like organic authenticity. It's really from within, and we strive to really uh, keep our brand. Um, in check that way it's like if, if you're um oh emily our designer you know, she has a term for there's all these just really pretty girls in mountain bike and you look at their instagram pages and it's just them very few riding shots and these just really hot stage model shots next yep. to mountain bikes and she quotes that as pretty fast <laughs> and so <laughs> we tried like we don't want to we don't want to necessarily have that um because it, it just feels really staged and it just feels really uh homogenous i guess at that way and so what we're trying to do is uh you know we're trying to make people drink a little sour milk here and there to get a gut check um i think that's I think, good i don't think the stage stuff goes as far as it used to what like back in the day it was hard to make videos or or even get some imagery done right and yeah, yeah. every everything would be overproduced and overplanned almost because it had to be i think and now yeah. with Instagram and all the other platforms, but really Instagram and the ability to go from like if you rode to work this morning with a buddy, you know, you can have pictures up that day and they're not staged and they're not perfectly lit, but they're real. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion and from my background, I think that authenticity and that reality comes through better than when something's overproduced or too perfect. I, I think that's lost its luster. Now, if you're scrolling yeah. through Instagram and something looks too perfect, it, you just assume it's an ad. You just go right past it. It's not something that you're looking for. Well, I think that's why, you know, like uh, channels like Jerry of the day do so well because it's, it's showing the imperfections. And if you look at their feed, it's a mix of, amateur skiers athletes and pro skiers and stuff because mm -hmm. you know jerry of the day is mostly ski focused but it's entertaining and they found and and you look at their following and it's it's gargantuan um and they're focusing on the imperfections of you know what their what their sport or their their kind of followers are looking for and they found a way to really like hey this is what we got and and we're gonna roll with it and they've created a brand out of it and it's really cool to see you know somebody taking the imperfect imperfect route and going now are we always going to be imperfect no i mean we have some you know we put together photo shoots and have people go shoot in our products and stuff like that um but you know if you look at our ambassadors it's just a mix of people that aren't high paid people or anything they're just normal and that's what we want to do and and you know as a brand we want to talk through art um and it doesn't have to be high art like highbrow um urban art you know we're really looking for this organic you know outdoor culture based art now because you know the brand used to be heavily politicized art and you know and honestly in this day and age it, that's just a really delicate you know, I guess, lake of thin ice to attempt and cross. And we just decided as a 
company that we don't want to necessarily talk politics unless it has something to do with the environment and preserving the environment. Um, and so we've kind of gotten away with that and, and or gotten away from the political art and focusing on more of an artistic, you know, organic art artists that are within our community that we have relationships with. And, you know, we're talking to them as well. So we're still keeping that in line um, and building upon that. And that's where the mountain bike thing came in. It was like, well, how the hell do I enter in? You know, when we made the, the, the decision to like, we're going to do mountain bike clothing. I had, to, you know, I just kept selling, telling, asking myself, well, how in the hell are we going to make this happen? And then finally I just said, well, we're just got to spacecraft the shit out of this and come up with a way to incorporate art because the way I looked at the mountain bike community is, is it's, it's always been kind of the stodgy from an art standpoint. It's just been like, here's some bike graphics and here's some moto looking um, apparel out there. And, you know, if you took all the moto looking uh, mountain bike apparel and you threw it in a pile and took all the logos off, it looked like it all came from the same company. Hey, there he is. Yep. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I don't either. I'm I'm sorry. It's technology. The, you know, <laughs> I know. Enter the cliches of technology where you and I can talk in real time across the country, but we can't actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna keep having that happen. Uh, anyway, we're back now, cool. so that's good. Where were we? Oh, I think uh, I was going off some tangent about art and mountain bike, and you know, us building a culture or attempting to build a culture within the art, the, the bike community. Um, not that it's lacking, it's just we, we saw an opportunity or we, we saw a lack of art in terms of apparel. And we wanted to make sure we stayed consistent um, with that and uh, to keep on brand. Because um, the last thing we want to do is just make a bunch of stuff that look like everybody else's. <laughs> so Yeah, and it, it, you know, honestly, it really doesn't, not shooting smoke or anything, yeah. but the... The new mountain bike line with the sky shots of the trees and stuff, it, it doesn't look like everybody else's. Yeah. And I I know I know you had a very specific photographer that did that work with you. Yep. But I'm I'm curious, in general, I know the the brand is kind of built around using art to create the apparel for the sports and the things that you're involved in. How how does that work? How do you how do you bring the art together? Do people approach you with art? Do you have people that you're aware of and hunting down? Mm -hmm. Is How does it come to be? I, I think it's more of the latter, you know, I mean, sure, we do get submissions for art, um, but we have a certain aesthetic that we're looking for. And usually, I mean, I hate to keep going back to Instagram, but there's a lot of artists out there and we're seeing people sure. that are just, you know, they're able to put their art out right away and, and no longer do they even need their own websites. They can just utilize Instagram as that. So for us, it's like a gallery. And so we, you know, we find a lot of people through that and we look at aesthetics and we're like, well, you know, what this person's doing really well, you know, we, we like what they're doing. And so usually we reach out to the artists now. I mean, there's a couple, you know, higher, you know, more well-known artists that we work with, but we always try to keep a good mix of well-known to up-and-comers um, because I think, sure, that's kind of fun, I think right? being able to identify talent um, before it really hits is also a unique uh, um, skill set that we have. Um, and albeit it's not perfect, you know, maybe the way we look at art is through a different viewfinder than a lot of people, but that's art as a definition. So Well, right, that that's art, right? Yep. There is no right and wrong. Yeah. So, um, 
what I'm curious about and what actually led you and I to meet originally in the first place is spacecraft is chugging along and then slash snowboards comes into the picture. And that's, um, it's kind of awesome. And it's a migration from what you were doing in kind of the soft goods world towards hard goods, right? Mm -hmm. Um, what can you talk about that a little bit, how that came to be, how it's, uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, the, the parent company that was licensing slash, uh, I used to work for So I helped them get yes off the ground and Jones as well as uh, now bindings off the ground and, and into market. So Gigi's brand came on about halfway through my tenure there, and I became uh, friends with Gigi um, through that. And then just randomly, I was at a trade show two years ago, or yeah, it was probably January 2017. And uh, Dustin, who's the rep in the Northwest, had Flash out, and I said, "Hey, how's it going? You know, how things are going?" And he says, "Well." Uh, he doesn't have a home basically is what it said. Yeah. So, um, I called, I just basically called Geeky that same day. Um, and from there on, we, uh, I mean, we pulled off what I would call a, uh, really, it was a two minute warning, um, you know, <laughs> Super Bowl play. And we were able to do a carryover line this past year where we just changed the graphics, uh, the colors of the previous year's boards and got most of the distributors back on board and got a bunch of major retailers back on board to keep brand alive. And, you know, fast forward to now, you know, we showed the trade shows and, uh, you know, we're going into a good 2018 season, really looking forward to 2019 um, and keeping the brand alive. You know, Slash is much like Spacecraft. It's a very unique brand through its uh product positioning, its story, the graphic appeal of the boards, and Gigi himself. It's really artistic, yeah. Gigi yeah. himself, yeah. He's, I mean, yeah. he's artistic, and it fits. It, that, that's what's so nice about it. It fits uh, Spacecraft. Yeah, and, you know, he's also one of the most recognizable, um, oh, you know, kind of figures in snowboarding, you know, over the past 15 years when he was part of Unink with Burton, and he's just his writing is an art form in itself and the way he approaches uh, designing the boards is very artistic and, and Gigi's a very, Hell yeah. uh, he's a very articulate person and uh, really knows what he wants. So I appreciate that in him um, in terms of how he presents the brand and he does a great job. And he's, you know, for me, he's just super easy to work with, super easy to deal with. Um, you know, and uh, I just like his character a lot, even though, you know, we have yeah, nine, just we an have, authentic, you know, we're nine hours difference because, you know, we're in, you know, up in Bellingham, Washington, and he's in Austria. So sometimes it's, it's right. tough to communicate, but we, you know, we managed to do it and uh, make it go. And, and we're trying to keep Slash simple. We're not trying to, um, you know, we're not going after any of the big guys. We just believe that what he has created has a place in, in the industry and tells a really good story. And it keeps people, you know, his fans stoked and all the, cause you know, this is year six for Slash. And so he's been able to keep the brand and the, the fans uh, pretty engaged. And, and you know, that's a big part of where we're going. So let's, let's just keep people engaged, but let's also innovate and create some new stuff that, you know, people will really appreciate at the end of the day in their snowboards. Yeah, some new shapes too, not just the way they look, but yep. he's pretty pretty um 
proud of the way the split nose and the way it rides and doesn't topple over as easy. Yep. You know, he he is. He's an authentic, nice guy. He's one of those people I would love to ride with, but I would hate to ride with because I couldn't. <laughs> you know, there's, he's fun there's, to ride. there's absolutely no way. He's good like that because he's fun to ride with. Because you know, whether he's on AK lines or just doing you know side hits, he no matter like when he came to the bank slalom, you know, they had this little. Uh, they he wasn't competing in it. They went up on the hemispheres and built this tiny quarter pipe, him and a few of the other riders. And they just filmed this little video and it was all like mini shred style, but they had the best time, you know, and, and yeah. being able to, you know, Geeky really knows how to, to suck the marrow out of the, the bone of the fun. Like he gets every ounce of fun <laughs> out of every run he makes. And, and, and it shows in his writing and it shows in his, it does even in his smile you know there's nothing that really gets him down like i've never seen him uh even ever bummed out or uh, upset he just somehow finds the happiness in the, probably the worst of situations well you know you travel the world as one of the best free riding snowboarders and get to go to all the best spots it's not the worst way to spend your days no 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 he, uh, he he does. He also just, I mean, I've, I don't know him as well as you do, but he does seem just generally happy yep. and, uh, you know, interested in whatever the, the day is going to bring. That's why I thought, that's what made me really more interested in Slash than I already was. Yeah. Have you have you ridden the boards yet, the new ones for this year? Oh, yeah. 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 We've uh, we've been riding on them since December. Um, so, I mean, obviously, oh, yeah? obviously we're not riding right now just because it's, uh, you know, the kind of season ended um, in April. Um, for a lot of us, I mean, we can still get out and I've been out on the new slash split board, the line hiker, uh, a bit, but, uh, yeah, the new boards, I'm really into the, the narwhal series, which is the straight and the floater. Um, that's mm-hmm. just kind of my go-to I'm on a, a floater right now, which is a wider kind of all mountain. It's, it's a directional board and, uh, that board's become easily my favorite. It's I bounce between that and the brainstorm. Um, those are my two favorite boards personally. Cool. Oh, the one thing I wanted to ask you about that I, I find interesting, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine with me. It's touchy in some of the industries and some people don't find it touchy, mm-hmm. but, um, especially between mountain biking and snowboarding, which you touch both, there's a, there's a movement on both sides of the fence for selling direct or selling mm-hmm. through, uh, local retailers and shops. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I mean, I I can ask specific questions, but I'm really just curious what are if you have a take on it and what you're thinking. Uh, I obviously have mine, and I I think it's interesting to see it unfolding in both of the industries in parallel. Mm-hmm. And the feelings seem a little bit different on, yeah. in both of them, but the 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 crux is still the same. Where you've got the the big brands and major retailers, and they. Um, at least what you'd see from the outside is the retailers are or the shops are protecting the brands that still sell with them, yeah. right? And then there's the people going direct to the people, and the shops are um, blacklisting them. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about that, and yeah. I also want to talk about what I what I hear and what I see. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious what your take is on it. Um, you know, there's there's good and bad on on that. You know, I, I think. Um, you know, for us, like with the mountain bike collection, you know, any of the Paris Gore uh, jerseys that we um, offer, those won't be available yep. on our site for two more months because we want to make sure our retailers get the first chance to sell that. And 60 days is, okay. a, is a good sell-in. Um, so there's 
certain products, you know, for, from a clothing standpoint, it's like you're like a, for a brand like us, there's not going to be a retailer that's going to buy everything of yours, um, you know, like from a catalog. So they're not going to stock every style. It's just really expensive. And, and honestly, it's irresponsible for them. Um, so, but we, we decided like, hey, this, this is our first launch into a new segment. Um, let's be smart about it. Um, mm. let's give the retailers the opportunity to be the flag flyers on this Paris score stuff. And that's why none of it says all sold out on our website right now, because we're currently shipping and it would be unfair uh, of us to be shipping stuff to consumers before the retailers even got it in their hands. Right. Um, and so what we want to do is give them that opportunity to sell in hard for the first two months, each time these unique collections drop, um, I think for hard goods, you know, soft goods is it's less of an emotional purchase if it's just, you know, yeah. anything under a hundred bucks really isn't as emotional of a purchase. Whereas hard goods, it's a little bit different. I think when you're going to buy a snowboard or a bike, you know, like that's an emotional purchase. That's where you want to go in. And you're in. probably only going to get one. Yeah, and that's where you want to go into a store and, and touch and feel the product and, and and you know, make your decision. Now, there's a whole thing about showrooming going on that's been going on for years where a person's going to go to a local retailer and uh, touch and feel a product and then say they're going to go one of the larger online dealers and buy it, which I think is dumb because, yeah, that, okay, you're going to pay the same price through the online dealer and get free shipping where you could pay the same price at the brick and mortar uh, uh, dealer and take it that, that same day. Yeah, you may save a little sales tax, but if I treat, you know, going into a store, whether it's a bike shop or a ski or a snowboard shop, go in and be like, Hey, can you, can you do better on the price? You know, haggle a little bit. I mean, car, car dealerships do it all the time. Don't be afraid to ask for a little bit. And nine times out of 10, the shops yeah. do it because they want to get the sale and, you know, keep right. Your, they need the sale. Yeah. You can keep your dollars local by just haggling, you know, like use, you know, like uh, half the kids would watch what their dad did, you know, at the car dealer, you know, ship and, or when you buy a house, you know, like. If I'm in a market where I can save $10,000 on a home, I'm going to offer $10,000 less and hope I get my, you know, my bid approved. So why not do the same thing, you know? And usually right. the shops are going to do something because they want to they retain the sale. They don't want to lose it. You know, they want to keep it moving forward. Um, I'd love to see the I'd love to see the shops come together with the brands and have everybody almost like a summit that will never happen talk because I think what, what gets lost in the conversations is the consumer, the people that buy bikes mm -hmm. and snowboards because, um, and first, just for my local bike shop, I, I've never seen all the bad stuff that people talk about where, you know, if you were to buy a bike direct and there's some major companies out there that sell direct yep. now, yep. if you were to buy a bike direct and you bring it into your shop, you know, they won't service it. They won't talk to you because you didn't buy it there. I don't see any of that locally. These guys don't care what I wheel in. They just, they're happy to talk about bikes and work yeah. on bikes. And so kudos to them. I think that's great, but it, it probably is happening in places around the country where you're getting blacklisted. If you ride a, a YT or somebody that's selling. Direct. Well, I mean, you know, but the, you know, the issue there is if I were a bike shop, I'd bring every, you know, if you're going to get it serviced. You're going to get it serviced. That's, that's a revenue stream for the bike shop. So, you know, you're all, I agree. I mean, 
if you're if you're a brand like if you're a brand and you don't have an e-com channel it's going to be tough for you to survive um, because a lot of the retailers out there, if they don't have an e-com channel, it's going to be tough for them to survive too. Or if they're not doing something digitally and doing it heavily, you know, it's that, it's that kind of adapt or die concept, you know, out there. It's just like, you got to adapt with what's going on in the market um, and, and be able to kind of predict based off trends that you're seeing. You know, if you're seeing, people are coming in and buying your stuff because you have a good social media account. Well then, you know, do more, you know, create a, you know, you can create a web store through Shopify for hardly anything these days. And a good web store. Yeah. You can create a web store that works. Yeah. And, and you could be taking orders and, and shipping, you know, uh, you know, nationally within days. And so, you know, I think we're at a we're in a weird paradigm right now, and it's not weird. I mean, it's been going on for a while, right? It's like started with Amazon and eBay, and you know, then you have Craigslist, and then everybody has a website. And you look at all the, the the strong websites out there, and the ones that are doing it right, they're doing good business, and now they become the threat. But you know, if you're if you're worried about right. them, then you kind of have to emulate them to a certain degree. You know, like you can't stand around pointing the fingers at all the competition because they're doing a better job than you. You've got to be able to adapt to, well, what are they doing that? Well, you not. shouldn't be, you, you shouldn't be, but people do, right? Yeah. That's the other problem is there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of blaming. There's a lot of entrenched that don't want to change because change means risk for them. Yeah. So there's, there's that part of the fighting too, where I think you've got some, some entrenched large brands that make it harder for smaller brands. Um, but, not getting into a brand discussion, more about mm -hmm. the stores and how do they service people. I think another another point that doesn't doesn't ever come up, but but I don't know why, is yes, it's great to buy local and to have a person you can go and talk to about the bikes. But at the same time, how many people make bikes now? You know, there used to be like <laughs> four <laughs> manufacturers. Now there's like forty good manufacturers. You can buy a really nice bike. Well, from. I, I think what you're how seeing. Do, you're... How does a store put those in there? I think regionally, you're seeing a lot of regional bike brands pop up right now. You're seeing a lot of regional snowboard and ski brands pop up. So, mm -hmm. you know, and and a lot of these brands are having to, you know, they have to figure it out. You know, do, how are there are there enough bike shops to, you know, they, what they could do is take a take a page out of learning from snowboarding. All these brands trying to spread out to all these retailers, tell a story of boutique brands and versus big box brands, but you need not big box, but large brands. You need some of the, a mix of the large brands to help bring in the small brands to bring in the customers. They need name recognition. Right. Um, so is there enough room for all these small brands and how many of these small brands are going direct versus going to retail? Like, uh, my friend Ty's company, Tenet Components, just launched on Friday too, but he's 100% consumer direct. And he's like, I don't want to mm -hmm. deal with retailers. I would just rather go right to consumer and keep my catalog simple and, and build through that. So I think that's, you know, like that's their stance. You know, you look at YT, you look at, uh, you know, Canyon, um, and now looks like Intense is going to the uh, direct yep. model. Um, yep. How many more people it's are going to join? You know, and I, I look at even transition. You know, you you can't you can't buy the transition 
complete built bikes on any website other than theirs. They control that. Um, sure, you can right. buy, go on some websites and buy a complete transition bike, but it's not going to be the same builds that they offer. Um, so, you and know, the transition's that. still working. If, if I'm not mistaken, they're still working with the local shops where you oh, buy yeah. online and basically pick it up assembled at the shop. So they're not they're not going around or cutting right. out the stop. They're just making it easier for people to buy their bikes. Yeah, exactly. So, and they're giving the, the retailers that, that, that profit. So, you know, they're being a full support force for them. So, you know, I guess, you know, nowadays there's so many options. There's a bunch of different ways to skin the cat. And I think the main thing is being very uh, transparent with your retailers and your distributors and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we do. And, and I was, you know, like for us, we were very upfront with our uh, retailers saying, hey, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to put the Paris Gore uh, collection up on our site for 60 days. Um, you guys get a mm-hmm. chance because I'd rather them sell out of it than us. I'd rather not ship one of those items direct. If our retailers can can get through all the all the inventory for us, then that would that's that's uh, I that's a good problem to have because your retailers yeah. are picking up the phone and you're supporting them. And, you know, that's, that's our way of high-fiving our retailers. Now, you know, like we have our branded, you know, gear up on the site, but that's not as special as the Paris Gore stuff. You know, it's, um, mm. it's part of our, it's special to us. I mean, I'm riding that stuff. It's the same exact stuff as the Paris stuff. It's just, um, you know, different graphics. And so, you know, for me, right. I find it special, but, you know, I think what everybody's gravitating to is more the art side of it for us. And so rather than, hey, let's, let's, you know, take money off the table for our retailers. I'm like, let's put money on the, the table for our retailers by not selling direct, having a, having a, an offset to the selling direct and, in the hopes that maybe we'll be mostly sold through, which at this point we're going to be mostly sold through in the next few weeks um, on that. Well, stuff. yeah, ra- rather than me versus you, why not have yeah. a, let's all figure out a way to win, right? We're all yeah. in the same game. We're all in the same business. Let's figure out a way to win. I think you bring up an interesting thing about regional brands, which is definitely happening right now in snowboarding and in mountain bikes. Um, I, I think maybe even more in snowboarding, just because there's uh, the mountain bike's a bit more of a complex yeah, item to create yeah. and, and and bigger ticket. But but there is regionalized brands like like Transition. They're awesome, right? But they're way heavier out where you are than they are in the East Coast or in other places. They're they're just they're not they're not as heavy worldwide or even uh, throughout the the whole United States yet. But so what? Is, so what is a brand like like Slash? You mentioned you guys are a boutique snowboard shop. Mm-hmm. Maybe not boutique, but not giant. You're not Burton. Mm-hmm. So what? Like how do I get a Slash? Right? How do you, how do you solve that problem? Where you know East uh, Coast, there's probably. I think it's just you know we we point people to retailers. I mean, like we have a very. I mean, for a, we're a small company. There's five of us here, and so. It, we just try to do the best job we can of pushing, like finding out like, well, what are you looking for? Hey, I'm looking for a brainstorm 154. You know, it's like, okay, well, we know who has those and, and giving them some options um, to get that. Yeah. That's usually what we do. Um, you know, eventually we will probably sell Flash online. It's just, you know, we haven't really made that call. Uh, the, the issue for us selling online is we got to carry the inventory and it's like, right. well, how do and you again, know, how do you company. know, how do you know, well, one, you're taking a financial risk and how do you know what stuff's going to sell? So if you're going to do it, it's going to be pretty small. The issue we have is we're typically cleaned out of inventory pretty 
quick because and rather than do the, the issue with snowboarding of yesterday was okay we're going to do 25 percent overbuild based on our booking numbers and so a lot of these companies ended up with a ton of uh extraneous inventory and where does all that stuff go it all goes closing hey sorry <laughs> i don't know what happened there uh, they, you know what that. I, you know what i think it is is we're on uh i think our internet here is dsl so don't worry about it mm. it's just uh that's how fancy <laughs> our neighborhood is so yeah um, well it's a trade-off for being in the mountains right and getting yeah to the and well we're not in the mountains you... we're, we're we're in we're in a regular city it's just uh i think uh i, I don't no, know but why. you're in the mountains compared you're in the mountains compared to us. What I what I mean is that you can snowboard and ride on the same day. You have, yeah. um, for me to get to a real mountain, I'm driving two two and a half hours. I don't think nice. you have that same problem, right? No, well, we're driving an hour and a half, uh, but to go ride a bike, it's uh, five minutes. So uh, yeah. we get the best of both worlds. Um, so, anyways, back to my back to my conversation. You know, we, yeah. we you know for online for slash, you know, there's there's a bunch of risk. If if you end up with a bunch of extraneous inventory, it gets you know you have to sell it off at a discount and it gets closed out. And it, you know, you, and and snowboarding learned a hard lesson over the last probably 15 years where people were yeah just, big time like the big big guys were flooding the market with a lot of. You know, because they, they, they have to meet their factory minimums and more as well as some of them have shareholders. Some of them have uh, big bottom line expectations. And so they build product in order to sell that. And then, you know, stuff goes at 50 percent off at the end of the year or steeper. And then it gets flooded with like, you know, like as discount goods in either the late season or in the, the preseason of the next year. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a delicate balance to do you want to protect your brand equity or do you want to just string it out? And, you know, I choose not to string out a brand and, and try to keep brand equity and value at a, at a higher level rather than brand volume. And, you know, like none of us are driving fancy cars here um, probably as a result, um, maybe because we're frugal and more pragmatic. Um, and that's fine. You know, I think you got to have that. Uh, as a, No, as I'm a on the same team. I, I, I agree with you. I would I would much rather um, care about and maintain the integrity and the quality of the brand than than get into a discount premium discount premium discount premium cycle yeah. that retailers tend to get into when they hold too much inventory. Uh, I I agree. And actually, with Slash, I you have you have stores. So like, it's not something I would go to a couple of towns over. But you guys have a pretty good job of where I could go. There's somewhere I could go buy one. I think that the challenge comes in where. Um, not everybody does that as well as you guys, uh, and that might come from your your experience with other you know online channels and and dealing with retailers and putting things into shops. But let's say there's a, there's a lot changing in both industries right now. There's a mm -hmm. lot of new companies coming online with awesome tech and great ideas, but not all those people know how to um, manage or even get plugged into a network of of uh, retailers or reps, right? So. I guess back to the consumer, how do we make sure that we know about the slashes and the marhars and all kinds of new brands that are coming about that I can't, I can't, my local store will not have any of them. It's going to yeah. have Burton. It's going to have GNU. It's going to have LibTech. It, you know, it's going to have the top five brands everyone's heard of and none that no one hasn't. Right. That's what they're going to carry. And I think they, you know, that, that comes with, there's, there's a bunch of different retailer types, you know, there's a, uh, you know, for us, for Slash, it's just 
staying in front of the consumer. So making sure you're you're communicating daily on social um, and that you're building a network of an email database to communicate newsletters and happenings and things like that. Um, at the same time, building the brand awareness helps the retailer see it too, right? Uh, the more people that mm -hmm. see your brand and go after a retailer, a local retailer to carry it, the better chances uh, bringing it in. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. You've got to really invest in being on the road because showing up to the trade show is one thing. But you got to remember when you show up to a trade show, that's a three to four day event where every, the retailers have to see every, as many of their brands as possible. Um, so a lot of times if you're – And there's a, a thousand small, of them there too, right? Well, and that's the thing is like I tell people – like if you're a new brand, don't waste your money on the trade show. Get people on your product. Go do demos. Like get people. Demos, um, right. I was going to ask, how well do demos do for you? It seems like that's a good way to connect with people to the product, right? Yep. Get yeah, on they, it and write it. I mean, that is the that is the only way to get people on your product is to really do the demos and be be vigilant about them. I mean, we did a pretty heavy Northwest demo our rep put together this year. And that's, you know, we're, this is our strongest territory in the U S and, you know, we're in, you know, the, the best of the best retailers between here and the Rockies. So, you know, I think if you're out there putting, you know, the, 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 the snowboards are an emotional purchase. It's going to be hard for somebody just to buy a board without trying it. Um, but they do, you know, and, and we have great customer service here. So if they're not happy with what they purchased, we try to figure out a way to, to make them happy. Um, so we don't lose a, a customer, but I think if yeah. brands are out there doing demo tours, that's one of the, cause when you do the demo tours, what do you go do? You go and you visit the retailers too, that are local to those demos, even if they're not a current retailer because a lot of times when you do a demo you want to you want to tag it with a retailer if they're local sure. and that really uh, that that just builds that bond and it gives you the opportunity to have face-to-face -face time with the consumer and with the retailer um so you get the you, it's a win-win situation and you get to snowboard <laughs> so yeah well and you I, get to snowboard yeah, that's the get, win you know like hopefully you're able to, to get some laps in and and enjoy it and see new things i mean that's on the company side but my favorite ride. part about being, my favorite part of being connected to the the industries that I that I love is like we're we're an advertising right we're a marketing firm but we deal in uh, in the adventure sports that we like so like yeah. in a couple of weeks I'm heading I'm heading to Nemba Fest which is a huge mountain bike festival yeah. that's awesome up in Vermont but it that's a work trip air quotes you know that's a work trip that's something I'm doing for work which is uh -huh. awesome that's a like a pre designed way to spend your time that I mean that you can't beat that but. I was talking to my local um, uh, shop right nearby, a snowboard owner, and he said that one of his biggest problems, so they, they sell primarily snowboards and skateboards, right? Mm -hmm. They're a board shop, board sports. Yes. And they sell a ton of skateboards, but the margin's tiny in skateboards. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know I, that I make skateboards too for fun. But So the margins, there's no margin there. That's like an awesome sport that, you're not, that you just trade on a lot of them. Yeah. So they basically, they, they hold their business in the retail shop by snowboards. And he said people used to buy a new board every couple of years, and now they're holding on to boards for like five years, even seven years. And that's been a trend that's totally changed his business. Do you, have you guys seen that? Or do you think no. that's more the major brands and the people that buy in store? No, actually, I've seen the opposite. I'm seeing people buy a new type of board each year because the whole quivering effect is going off. No Especially way. with the, raise, the, the, the rise of carving again. 
Um, you're seeing people buy these cool shaped boards and more unique shapes are coming out because snowboarding mm -hmm. finally got its head out of its ass of being too cool and, you know, like having to be, you know, on a level of like a Travis Rice or any of these big video guys and being able to take it down a notch and do cool stuff. I mean, I look at like kind of what Yagoon started and things like that, like taking super simple features and really making them awesome. Um, and then the yeah. whole carving thing, like, so I'm seeing different, like we're seeing people that are going out and buying new, new equipment every year because the carving effect and the, you know, not everything has to be super huge effect has had a really positive impact on snowboarding. You know, a couple of years ago, it was, you know, after Jeremy released deeper, further and higher, like split boards were everything. And now I'm seeing still split birds, like on being sold on the east coast you know and not that that yeah, I mean, it's very definitely. niche niche out there but now you're seeing this carving thing like carving is cool where you know when i grew up when i was growing up on the east coast like carve like we rode hard boots for racing and then went to our soft boots <laughs> yeah. for like i was quivered out back in the early 90s and you yeah. know to see you know now the hard boot thing isn't as big as it used to be but what kicked it off was there there was this random Russian snowboard group video of these guys that came out probably two or three years ago, maybe even four of these dudes doing some incredible like video of carving in hard boots, like doing like the limbo and stuff. Like it's pretty yeah. impressive. And I think that really like people are like, Oh, I could go do that in soft boots. And that kind of kicked off this whole new thing. And then you look at, I have to go back to Jeremy you know, doing his whole art of the carve. Uh, video this past year it's like you know like a lot of people used to hate on hard booters and you know i you know friends would be like oh that's lame and i'm like yeah but you're a friend, fan of jeremy jones right? yeah oh yeah i love jeremy i was like i uh, look up jeremy jones from like 19 you know 95 and 94 where he was in hard boots you know racing um you know that's now considered cool uh so you know i i think i think it's for a retailer, if they're having slow, they're, they're seeing people not buy boards every five years, then they really need to look at what their offerings are uh, because you should be able to buy a new board every year. Yeah. Uh, what you were saying, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm glad carving is back. You know, I'm not an X Grames rider. I'm not doing big 20-foot airs on a half pipe. I just like I like snowboarding. I always have. I've been doing it since I was a kid. And I like air, but I, I, I just like riding. And I think yeah. snowboarding has... Yeah, you alluded to it, but they've alienated a lot of people, and it hurt their business over time. They thought just going with the big games, X games, just cool, gnarly stuff was the way it was. And if you weren't that, you're not cool. And that's that's not who buys snowboards. That's not even one no. percent of the market. You know, that's no, not the people riding at, at every resort. And and you know, I've been in the snowboard industry all my life, and I'm guilty of it. You know, from a, when I was running option snowboards, of like, well, what's our focus? You know, it's like. But, you know, our focus was really product. But, sure, I wanted to have the best uh, team and win medals and have the best video parts out there. But, you know, even back then, you know, we knew we were only catering to 1% of the market. Like, our advertising was catering to the shop employees, you know, to mm -hmm. help sell, sell the stuff. So um, we had to change our PR approach and everything like that to get the product out into the right channels to, for people to get hungry about it and really – focus on the everyday rider and that's what we did um and it changed the, yeah. the dynamic of the brand and that's what you need to communicate to you need to make things 
attainable for people and accessible. Real. Yeah, make yeah. it make it real for the people that buy it. I think I think mountain biking is running itself into the same um, risk as earlier on, and it's not totally. There well, yet, I think but... I think it's getting better. I think you're looking at the rise of the key, the kid and the tween market right now in biking because I'm seeing it here. There's, I mean, every school elementary school in Bellingham has a mountain bike club, um, and because my kids are in it, and I'm. One That's awesome. Coaches. I'm one of the coaches. So it's, it's, and you're looking at the prices of mountain bikes coming down because they, they have to do something. It's not like they're seeing all these kids want to get into it. And so parents, you know, the, this is also a generational change. You know, we've got a bunch of parents that want their kids to do the things they did because they still want to go do those things. Yeah, of course, we've got to go to soccer and football and basketball, baseball and all that, all that stuff. But if we can get our kids into those things, it's good. It's, it's a good thing. And I see bike going in that direction. Um, you know, you're seeing more kids bikes or, you know, 24s being offered and twenties being offered in terms of size. Yep. So, you know, like it's, it's, it's changing and it's changing for the better. And the beauty about mountain biking versus snowboarding is the accessibility is way better because most trailheads, you don't, you're not going to a resort or a ski area and have to pay a lift ticket. No. And you know, like that's been the biggest issue with skiing and snowboarding is it's on the, on the supplier side, we're able to, you know, like we're being forced to offer cheaper products so everybody can do it. But for the most part on the mountain and the resort side, it's going the opposite way. It's, it's very elitist and it's very hard for people to go to the mountains. So now parents are like, well, do I spend money on, skis and snowboards because I got to spend how much is my cost daily to get to the mountain versus if I just invest in a mountain bike, that mountain bike will last a couple of years and I have zero investment really in any sort of lift tickets unless we want to go ride one day. Um, right. And that, that's once in a while. You don't need it to do the sport. No. Like I'm going for a ride today after this and I'm going to drive 15 minutes, meet a bunch of buddies and ride into the woods. That's yeah. that's what we're going to do, right? And it's going to be, and, it's gonna and be that's, awesome. It, way more organic and it's way easier to do so in a way i mean mountain biking is already bigger than snowboarding and skiing combined the user participation levels are through the roof um but you don't have that one you don't have that noose around your neck of additional cost and you know you look at how much it costs to go to whistler or any of vale resorts these days and it's it's near impossible i mean for a family it's yeah it, forget it's, it for a it's vacation completely suffocating and so like me you know with my family we just i mean thank god mount baker is affordable and it's a privately held mountain and it'll stay affordable um mm -hmm. but you know like all these new plate like you know i just read that they all bought up four resorts yesterday um yeah one of them's okimo one of you, them, you, even, you know Okimo, right, from your, oh, yeah. your East Coast time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd go to Okimo quite a bit. So if now now are those mountains going to become inaccessible from a cost standpoint? So, you know, there's a lot of hurdles on yeah. the snow side that the, the resort and the area side need, because that's always been the seven degrees of separation is, cool, okay, well, on the supplier side, we're going to do it. We're going to make some product that, you know, that, that can help people's wallets out. But on the resort side, it's, you know, it's all real estate driven. So they don't really care. They don't look at that. They're just, you know, they're not looking at the, um, and, and then they're wondering why, you know, like, well, why aren't many users coming to our mountains before? Right. Well, why are our lift rates down? Why, why are we selling out as many tickets? Well, they'll always point the finger to us and we're just like, it's not us. You're, you're, 
you know, when a soda costs eight bucks, like it's just like that, <laughs> and that lift ticket <laughs> no, is a hundred, hundred and twenty. No like, and then you're a family of five. Well, you you do the math, like. Right. Okay. I can you go know, to I, Disney for a week or I can come skiing for one day. I think, you know, I exactly. Think or we can go mountain biking and I'll put all that money that I was thus invested into snow is going to go into something else. And, and honestly, right. it's, it may be we can do it more often. Um, so I think what that's I, that's that's the challenge on the snow side of the accessibility. The accessibility is great on the product side. Terrible. Almost de- it's downright deplorable on the resort side. Yes, but what the one thing that I think is cool, I mean, I love riding at a resort, and we have a local sure. one here, and like, you know, I love, and it's fun, and it's awesome, and I don't want to disparage that, but it is, there is a definite problem for an average family to spend any, any, yeah. any kind of time to really get good at the sport, to love the sport, to, to really be, you know, invested in it. It's it's very expensive and it's not it's 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 difficult for most people. Well, and, it's creating uh, a, what it's, I love seeing. Well, I think the what I love is, seeing happen is the street style snowboarding. We've got kids, yep. you know, in one binding and riding and just riding anywhere they go. But also a huge thing that I um, it's, it's fairly new to me. I guess it's not a new sport, but it's not big any by any stretch. Is snow skating, not and I don't mean the kind that they're on a riser, like there's a board on top of a ski and you see them at the resorts because I've, I've seen those for a while. But have you seen the snow skates that are they're They're like a modified skate deck. Have you seen those yet? Which one? Like there's a company called Ambition Snow Skates. They're, uh, oh, they're yeah, yeah, of, snow um, skates. Yeah, I've seen uh, yeah, a bunch the, of them. Yeah, it's awesome. You can, yeah. you, can, you can take it in your backyard. You can take it down to your, your local um, skate park when it's snowed in and still yep. ride. You can, go, you can go right out in your yard. I mean, it's, it's literally skateboarding on top of snow. It's dynamite. I think if that existed when I was a kid, I, I might have never got into snowboarding. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love seeing, you know, I love seeing that come around. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, and, and snow skates have been around for a while. I mean, but uh, I don't think they've had quite the success that snowboards had, but they're still, no, you know, they're, no, not even close. But it's still cool to see there, you know, we sponsor a bunch of snow skate contests out here. And uh, it's, it, I mean, those guys are gnarly. I mean, they're doing some cool stuff. Then there's the pal surf thing where it's just, you know, you don't have any bindings and you just ride, you know, basically surfboards yep. in the pal. And I, it's cool to see that too. You know, there's all kinds of great things going on and I don't mean to downplay it. I think, you know, snowboarding's in a really good renaissance right now. And we're seeing, I agree. It, it, I think we're in a good place up. for all the sports we're into. It's a, it's yeah. a, they're all growing. The like snowboarding's finally, I think starting to grow again. The, you know, everything is starting to, um, the sports are starting to grow around the actual base that uses them, which I think is cool. Um, like you said, the mountain biking, the, the bikes are becoming more accessible. I mean, you can buy a, a high end bike for half what you could, uh, yep. you know, five, six years ago. And um, you don't I need to, I, I think the issue is a lot of people don't realize they don't need the top of the line build, you know, like, oh, hell no. you don't hell need no. the top of the line fork or shock. You need something that's going to, you know, uh, and in bike, it's hard to get away from because, I mean, you know, you want the best, but you don't really need well, it. Well, they're sexy. Know? Come on. I mean, they're, yeah. they're sexy. Those bikes yeah. are gorgeous. Yeah. I, but I just think it's cool to see that, um, this, like you were saying, it's becoming more accessible, and I agree. I think the brands, they're making products more accessible. They have to catch up in their own outward messaging that it's not about the World Cup. It's about yeah. going and riding with your friends and that. I think that that's what I meant. I think it's similarly yeah. forgotten. The way snowboarding yeah. was, where they forget, they forget that ninety percent of their products are sold to people who will not watch the World Cup. 
the dial. Right. You know, they're not yeah. they're not interested, and they, nope. that that's forgotten. But I think it's it's coming back, and it, it's a lesson that they're learning. Um, Chad, I want to say we're about at an hour, and I know you said you have a yep. busy day. If you want to uh, bounce, we can cut this short today. We can do it another time. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to hold you back from. I know you got a lot of. Yeah, but unfortunately, you, uh, so. I, in about four four minutes, I got to jump on another call. Um, you want to so. you want to plug anything? You want anything? Any um, no. specific products or website for people to check out? No, I mean they can go to our website if they're interested, or both. You know, spacecraftcollective.com and slashsnow.com. Um, you know, and just check it out. Uh, but other than that, no, I don't. Uh, I try not to selfishly uh, plug things too often. <laughs> So, I agree, uh, and it always sounds weird, but at the same time, you want people to be able to get the stuff when they can get the stuff. You know, sure. it never hurts. So, um, thanks. This was fun, and uh, I think we should do it again and keep talking about the uh, evolution of the stuff that we like. Right on. Well, I appreciate it, Adam, and uh, have a good one. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Cheers.